0: Very good morning uh, to everybody here. Um, can I get you to open up, please, in your Bibles or your devices uh, or the order of service, uh, which you could have, you can scan on, uh, at the entrance, uh, to Philippians chapter four, verses ten to twenty. Philippians chapter four, uh, verses ten to twenty. Now uh, This morning we're coming to the uh, final sermon uh, in our series on Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, He's already dealt with the main things that he wants to say about the issues in the Philippian church, uh, climaxing with our passage last week. Uh, And the end of the letter, uh, verses 21 and 23, the last three verses are greetings, which we looked at briefly when we looked at the greetings at the beginning of the letter. Uh, So we won't be doing that again today. Uh, We're finishing with verses 10 to 20, which also circles back to the theme of gospel partnership uh, that started at the beginning of the letter. So let's pray. Uh, Let's ask God to help us. Uh, as we look at his word together. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can look at your word together now. Uh, We pray that you speak to us uh, by your Spirit through your word. We pray that you help me to preach your word uh, clearly and faithfully, Uh, and we pray that Christ will be honored in all that we say and think. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Why do you have a standing order with your bank? Uh, to transfer your pledge to the church each month? Or why do you put money in the collection box at the back there or you or scan the QR code for giving each week? Why are you concerned for stewardship and giving, either here at St. Mary's, if you're part of our community, or in your home church, if you're visiting today? Some people give because it's expected of them. Some people give because they want to keep in God's good books. Some people give because they think that by giving money they will get more in return. Some kind of investment scheme. And none of those are good reasons for giving. Don't you ever put money in the collection box in order to keep in God's good books. I'd rather you didn't put in anything at all if you're going to put in for that reason. Jesus Christ has done everything necessary to put you into God's good books. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. You come into God's good books by trusting in him. And you stay in God's good books by trusting in him. Not by anything you do. And certainly not by anything you give. And don't put money to the church just because you think you do if you do so god is going to give you more back that's not giving to god at best that's trying to use him and at worst that's trying to bribe him it's not generosity that's faith based greed don't just give because it's expected of you it's not about fulfilling other people's expectations Giving must come from the heart, if it is to have any value at all. So why give? Well, to answer that question, let's have a look at the way Paul thanks the Philippian church for the monetary gift they sent to him as he ends his letter to them. And we will see as we do, first of all, that financial partnership is part of gospel partnership. Gospel partnership involves money. Back in chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, Paul was thankful for the partnership he had with the Philippians in the gospel. From the first day, that is from the first time they heard it from him, until now, the time he's writing the letter. And now in the last, at the end of the letter, in verse 10 of chapter 4, Paul remembers what it felt like when he recently received their gift. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Now, we saw a couple of of weeks ago how important it is to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoicing in Christ. Uh, But Paul doesn't just rejoice in Christ for who he is and what he did to save him. He doesn't just rejoice in him for all those big benefits that we receive from him. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Yeah, that's the big ones. But he also rejoices in him for his present blessings. Because the Lord is a giver of all good things. And he's particularly thankful here that the Philippians have shown their concern for him again by sending him money to support him in ministry and in jail. But do notice in verse 10 that the big thing he's thankful for is not the gift, but the thoughtful concern they have for him, which the gift represents. And it's not as if they weren't concerned for him before either. They were, but no real chance to show it. No need to show it in a practical kind of way. So he quickly adds at the end of verse 10, You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. But they did have a history of concern for Paul. Paul remembered the way they looked after him in the past. If you go down to verse 15, we see that when they first received the gospel, that is, um, uh, when—and when, and, and they first received the gospel from Paul, and then he left Macedonia, which is the area they're in, he says that no church enter into partnership in giving and receiving except them. They continue to support him, even after he left their area. And even before he left their area, which is Macedonia, when he was in the still the same region in a different town called Thessalonica, in verse 16, they sent him monetary help at least twice. And now, after all this time, Paul is in need again because he's in prison, and there they send help to him because they're concerned for him. Because they are partners with him in the gospel. They share in the ministry together. And friends, financial partnership is part of gospel partnership. We are partners together in taking the gospel out. We are partners together in making Christ known. We are partners together in seeing God's kingdom grow. Different partners bring different gifts into the partnership, and money is part of it. If we think about our giving as a tax or a chore or a legalistic obligation, then we're thinking about it in the wrong way. We need to remember that we are partners in ministry. And partners work together to achieve a purpose. Putting money into gospel work is part of gospel work. It's part of sharing in the ministry. Now, the Philippines didn't get a chance to do it all the time, at least with Paul, but with each other, it said, marys we can do it all the time. Whenever we put money in the collection box, whenever we scan the church QR code, whenever we transfer money online, what we are saying, hope we're saying this, is that we are partners together in this ministry. It's not like we're just looking around, the back comes, oh, we've got to find loose change so we're not embarrassed. Or, you know, feeling a sense of obligation, someone puts a bag in front of your face and you go, oh, better do something lah, huh? If not, it'd be a bit embarrassing. No, 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 no. We give because we have a sense of partnership with the gospel work that's being done here. And so it is good that we have to be purposeful in how we give. You've got to go to that box and put it in. You've got to think about transferring that money. You've got to purposely go and scan that QR code a step you have to purposefully do. Think and pray about how you can be involved, how you contribute to the partnership. If it's helpful to use the pledge system, then do that. You can do that online on our website. Uh, If you need a hand, you need someone to explain it to you, then go to the book corner afterwards. Uh, Kington will be there. He can help explain to you. Give you a paper one if you don't like the online. Uh, In my family, we find it helpful to do a standing order. For our online banking, so that every month money is transferred to fulfill our pledge. Now, that way, you don't have to remember the Gola every month. Right? And we give some to the general fund, some to the ministry workers' fund, and some to the uh, ministry training scheme fund. General fund helps us, gives us an opportunity to partner with all the activities of the cathedral and the diocese. Ministry workers' fund gives us an opportunity to partner with some of our gospel workers, like. Tim and Dinesh and Daniel and Stephanie and John Sivakoti by meeting their financial needs as they take the gospel out. Now, they get paid a fixed salary by the cathedral, but the money for their salaries come from the Ministry Workers Fund. And as we contribute to it, we are collaborating with them in their ministry, like the Philippians partnered with Paul. And the Ministry Training Scheme Fund gives us the opportunity to partner with the cathedral in training a new generation of gospel-centred, Bible-based, disciple-making leaders for God's Church, so that the work here goes on beyond our own time. Gospel partnership includes giving and receiving. Money is part of the work of the Kingdom, and the Spirit through the Apostle Paul reminds us of that today. However, it doesn't mean that Paul was a prosperity teacher. There are some false teachers who run around trying to raise funds by saying that God wants you rich. God longs for you to be rich to solve all your financial problems, but you're blocking it by not giving your money away. So the way to be rich is to give money to the church, and then God will bless you and make you more rich. Now, of course, they put it in much more spiritual kind of terms, but that's essentially what they're saying. And friends, that is not what gospel partnership is about. God's goal for us is not that we should be rich, but that we should be more and more like Christ in our character. God's plan for us is not that we should be greedy, but that we should be godly. God can use riches as part of achieving that. He can also use poverty as part of his plan for achieving that. Or he can use different things at different times like he did for Paul. The world sees success as getting more and more money. God sees success as becoming more and more like Christ. What he wants us to learn is contentment. Because that's what godliness looks like when it comes to money. Contentment. And so in verses 11 to 13, Paul diverts a little bit to talk about contentment. The reason he does that is he wants to that the reason he's telling them about his joy in the Lord for their care is not because he's trying to get them to give more. Verse 11 he says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. He says in verse 12, I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need i can do all things through him who strengthens me you see what he's saying he rejoices in the lord for the gift from the philippians but he's actually content he says in verse 14 it was kind or literally good or proper or commendable for them to share in his troubles that share word there is the Again, the word for partnership or communion or fellowship, they're partnering with him. It's got, it's got a prefix on it to indicate togetherness, so that together they are partnering with him in his troubles. Paul was suffering in prison for the gospel. And by giving him, giving him this gift, in a sense that they were sharing, they were joining with him in that. So he's not ungrateful. But what's important to him is not, is not so much the money, but the concern, the partnership that stands behind it. As far as the money goes, Paul's content either way. He knows what it's like to be rich. He knows what it's like to be poor. He knows what it's like to have you know, 10 course Chinese banquets or whatever the equivalent was in those days. He knows what it's like to go hungry. And he says he's learned in whatever circumstance to be content. Whatever situation God has placed him. He can, verse 13 again, do all things through Christ, who gives him strength. Now that's another verse that's often misquoted, isn't it? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can pass my exam, I can get that job, I can win that girl, I can sell that house, but look like the context. When Paul says he can do all things through him who gives him strength, he's not talking about Scoring straight A's in his exams, or being successful in his business, or closing that deal. He's talking about being content in whatever situation God places him. I can do riches. I can do poverty. I can do hunger. I can do plenty. I can do abundance. I can do want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Can we say that, friends? If God's goal is to make us more like Jesus, then contentment will be one of those lessons that he wants to teach every one of us. There may be all kinds of circumstances in which we need to learn contentment. Maybe in the area of finances, learning to be content with what God has given us and not pining for what he's given others. Maybe in other areas. may need to learn to be content with the family he has given us. We may need to learn to content with the gifts and abilities he has given us. With the body he has given us. We need to learn to be content with some other circumstances which we have been put in and we don't have a choice about. How do we learn to be content? It is through him who strengthens us need to learn to rejoice in Jesus, to prize him, his death for us on the cross, his glorious resurrection, Jesus above everything else. need to realize more and more deeply that in the end, that's the only thing of lasting value. It's the only thing that lasts forever. On the judgment day, the only thing that will save us from God's condemnation is the the righteousness of Christ, that perfect, faithful life that Jesus lived and we didn't credited to our account. And our sins, debited to His, paid for us on the cross. Otherwise, no matter how what our circumstances are, we have no hope in the end. But knowing Christ, belonging to Him, being found in Him, that means we've got the most valuable thing and the most important thing in the world all sorted out. That means being assured of eternal life through faith in him. Everything else pales into insignificance beside that. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Knowing Christ, how good it is to know him, helps us be content. And knowing that the future is secure in Christ does help us to be content now. It's easier to be content in this life when you know it's only temporary. When you know your destination is so great, so good, so permanent, doesn't matter so much, La, whether you sit in first class or second class or third class on the train on the way there. Doesn't matter so much, La, if the passenger beside you talks too much or is ignores you or is pleasant and friendly. Still matters but not as much. Furthermore, it's also easier to be content in this life when we learn to see things from God's perspective. When our priorities begin to align with God's priorities. When holiness becomes more important to us than gain. And character more important than convenience. That's not to say contentment's easy. I know that as much as you do. But we have christ who gives us strength and as god throws all different situations our way we can learn step by step to be content in all of them as we find our true joy in jesus so what are the main things we've learned so far well firstly the gospel partnership involves money And secondly, that the main attitude God wants us to develop concerning money is contentment. Thirdly, we're going to see that giving is part of our relationship with God. I mentioned just now that the fact that Paul thanks the Philippians for their financial support, reminds them of their history of gospel partnership, may have been misconstrued as a lack of contentment. Uh, they may have thought that the thing that drove him, that he set his heart on, was, was their money. Uh, he's already subtly corrected that one, but he also wants to make it very, very clear. He says in verse 17, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Right? He's not telling them this so they give him more money. That's not what motivates him. But what is hard to set upon is the fruit, the interest, the profit that accrues to their account. He's teaching them about giving because he knows it's good for them to give. It's good for them to be partners with him in the spread of the gospel. From his point of view, he's not fishing for more gifts because actually they've given him everything he needs. Right? Verse 18, he says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. He's saying, you don't owe me anything. And remember how he said he knows how to abound, how to be brought low? He's actually on the abounding side at the moment, right? Because of what they've already sent him. But from their side, what's good for them is what their giving spiritually represents. It is at the end of verse 18, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You know, the Israelites in the Old Testament expressed their worship to God by offering costly sacrifices in the temple. In the New Covenant, Christians express our worship to God with all of our lives. Our whole life is a living sacrifice to God. And a part of the way we do that is by financially supporting gospel ministry in a sacrificial way. Because our whole life is of worship to God, what we do with our money is part of it. And so our money as we give becomes an offering to God. And if God's will is that the gospel be going out into all the world and that people be growing as disciples of Christ, then as we give to gospel ministry, we are partners in achieving his plan. That's why it's good for the Philippians to give, because that's an expression of worshipping God, which we are made to do. And so learning to be sacrificially generous with what God has given us is part of our worship to God and good for us spiritually. And it goes both ways. As Paul was well supplied in verse 18 through the gift of the Philippians, God would supply their needs as well. Paul says in verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. They are giving to Paul as part of their worship to God. And the God who abounds in every way will know how to look after them. And that is true for us as well, as we worship God with our money. God supplies our every need. There's every kind of need that we have. This is not prosperity gospel where you give seed money and blesses us back abundantly as if we can buy God's blessings. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't work or we don't work, right? Work is the usual means through which God gives us what we need. In fact, we read elsewhere, if we refuse to work, then we shouldn't expect to eat. God doesn't promise us material riches. Although that we will always abound, be lying to you if I said he did. But our Heavenly Father will give us whatever we need for our service of him, including our daily bread. As we seek first his kingdom, all these things will be added to us by the one who feeds the birds of the air and clothes the lilies of the field. So he will look after us materially, yes. Though not necessarily in the ways that we might want him to. He gave Paul both poverty and abundance at different times according to what he needed at the time. He gave him both plenty and hunger at different times and taught him to be content in each He will give us what he, in his wisdom, knows that we need. And most importantly, from back in chapter 1, he will bring us to himself on that last day, pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to his praise and glory, which is what we really ultimately need. God supplied Paul's needs through the Philippians, and he would supply their needs as well, in whatever way he saw fit. And so in verse 20, Paul ends with a doxology, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, Amen. So what have we learned today about giving? Firstly, We've learned that gospel partnership involves money. We give because we are partners in the gospel. Second, we've learned that the main attitude to develop with regards to money is contentment. And our attitudes toward giving and receiving should reflect that. And thirdly, we've learned that being partners in supporting gospel ministry is part of our worship to God. We give as part of our response to the God who loves us, and looks after us, in every way. It's part of our relationship with Him. So why give money for ministry? Whether it's St. Mary's, or any other Gospel ministry. Give because you have been touched and transformed by the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Give in response to what Christ has done for you. Give as an expression of thoughtful concern and partnership with others who are doing gospel work. Give as part of your growing in godliness and contentment. Give sacrificially as part of your lifestyle of worship. Give in order to advance the kingdom. Give for the glory of your God and Father, who loves you and supplies all your needs in Christ Jesus. And to him be glory forever and ever. Amen.